when my mom comes home from work, I will be playing That's Xbox right, Series at mom's X house inside Noah of her living, in living room. room. I live in the living room. Apartment. My girlfriend is going to is going to go insane when she comes back from yoga, and I'm playing the Xbox. You are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. Welcome to the Dude Nature Podcast. We're coming to you live from Mom's living room. I'm here with my brother Adam. I'm here too. What's up? It's Adam. It's getting lean around here. It's getting lean in Mom's house. Time Let me tell go. you, guys, we've been here for a while. We've been here for a long time. Too long. Like six months. Adam, what's your gripe? Time to leave. Probably time to leave your mother's house. Adam, lean. what's your gripe? Noah, these are the gripes where we gripe for each other for 30 seconds each about something mildly irritating. I had a different gripe, but I just replaced it. My gripe today is the 10% off bullshit or 5% off bullshit. It doesn't make any sense, and I hate it when a product that you want, for example, Football Manager 2022, they have marked the game as 10% off of a $60 price tag in the thoughts that that will make anyone buy the product. $6 less. If, if, yeah, I don't understand. Like, Was anyone on the fence and saying... If oh, this was just six, six bucks. If this was just if six it was just less six, dollars, you're right. Five to ten percent oh, is so. That would be it. If it was six less dollars, then I'm in. But six more dollars, no, it's a no for me. Five to ten percent is bullshit. It's it's always bullshit because people don't buy the price. It doesn't make any sense why people do that. Wow, it's so stupid. It's like, hey, ten percent off. Wow, Grant Cardone's here. Here, five percent x. Five percent off this bike, right? Here's a bike that you want. Five percent off this bike. There you go. Now, do you want it? It's no. This bike was $1,000, and now it's 998 There it is. That's it. You just did it. That, and guess what? We'll knock you know $10 what? If, off the price. You buy it now, we'll knock $10 off. You know, no, but here's the thing. My fiance, my lovely fiance, who I love, she'll, like, she'll be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's happy hour. There's, it's 50 cents off beer. Yeah, exactly. So she'll be like, yeah, oh, my exactly, God. Beer is right. $7.50, not $8. We right. have to go. We have to go now. Oh, my God. It's happy hour. The deal oh it's, it's 50 cents. Everything is a dollar off. Ha- you know what? Everything I, is okay, a you know dollar what? I was going to do a different gripe. My gripe is fucking happy hour. It's a fucking joke. Because when, it's it, a fucking when restaurants joke. are like, it's happy hour, you get a dollar off your beer. And, and it's just, like, and oh, just it's, on this list. No, not that one. Everything no, on this list, this list is, is, guess what? And then, a dollar and then off. I hate, I, hate dollar because I hate that everyone's like, oh my God, we got to go to this bar because it's happy hour. So instead right. of $9 beers, not we're buying we, $8 beers. Not that we go to happy hours. Or so bars. I think happy hour is fucking bullshit, and I'm tired of people getting super excited about it. No, I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm, I'm, tired tired. Of, I'm just tired of people getting excited about this, these pricings that don't actually matter. I had a different grab. My other grab was good, too. I'll save it, though. Can I tell the people what happened to me? now uh yeah i think i think i think i think we thanked last time okay guys thank but thank you so much for the reviews we really really appreciate them 
if you've reviewed us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever one you can go to. I don't get, we don't get what's happening, but just go to one, review us. It helps our pod a ton. We love reading them. They motivate us. It's super amazing. And thank you for leaving your nice reviews. Really appreciate it. This podcast is also sponsored by, sponsored by the Four Sigmatic Coffee. Whatever you're drinking in the morning to get your pecker up, to get your brain sharp, it would be better. Nipples for, hard. Nipples hard. It'd be better if it was Four Sigmatic. You've had less of a come down. You would think more clearly. Cordyceps. And maybe, and honestly, made. if we drank more Four Sigmatic, we wouldn't have been living in our mom's house for over a month. No. Maybe not. No, right? You can ask here. yourself that. If they had had more Four Sigmatic, what would happen? So, go to foursigmatic.com, use offer code dude nature, all one word. That is dude nature, no exclamation mark, to get 10%. <laughs> we just complained about 10% off. <laughs> and now we're going to tell you to go to Four Sigmatic and get your whopping 10%, 10% off. That will be the thing. So, that 10% off. The 10% offs don't matter unless they're it's Four us. Sigmatic. Unless they're from us. Yeah. And then they do matter. Okay. Because clearly we know what we're doing. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah. Game, game time. Yep. How mu- How how many? How many? Er, oh no! It's it's percentage. The sun's mass takes up what percentage of the solar system's total mass? The Milky Way's total mass. Okay, good one. Um, it's got to be like a number so infinitely small it's hard to even describe. No, the sun's mass takes up what percentage of the solar system's total mass? Just our solar system. Yeah. Our solar system. And and by total mass, you mean just the planetary bodies. If you put all the planetary bodies together. everything that's in the solar system, so all of the asteroids. Right. Right. All of the planets together, all of the moons. Right. And in how what much percentage? Ma- what's percentage that the sun's mass takes up? 95. Okay, it's close. 99.86% of the solar system's mass is in our sun, which isn't even that big of a sun. Right. Right. It's an average sun. It's an average sun. Yeah. How much does a spacesuit cost from NASA? Well, I, I don't know about the Dragon like spacesuits anymore, but how much did NASA's space shuttle spacesuits cost? Did they cost a million? They co- did they definitely cost a million. How many millions? They cost three million? They cost $12 million. Damn. Okay. And 70% of the cost is for the backpack and the control module. So today, the, these are the suits that NASA built in 1974. Right. Today, that is 150 million dollars for a spacesuit. What? Yeah, it's a lot of wampum. It's 150 million. 150 mil for spacesuit. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Are there more stars in the Milky Way or trees on Earth? Good. I like this. So more stars, stars in the Milky stars Way. Stars in the Milky Way or trees on Earth. Stars in the Milky Way by far. There are more trees on Earth than stars in the Milky Way. What? Yeah. Fuck you. There's 100 to 400 billion stars in the Milky Way, and apparently there's more trees. Although, of course, I didn't write down the number. Damn. I uh, Now I'm actually thinking about forests and stuff and all the trees. No, what's our topic today? Our topic today is where are the aliens, a.k.a. the, the Fermi Paradox, or really the Fermi Paradox, a.k.a. where are the aliens. We're going to go into. I'm going to go into. A.K.A. Are we living in a simulation? Where are the aliens? Are we living in a simulation? A.K.A. The Great Filter. The Fermi Paradox. The Great Filter. They're all, they're all connected. Okay. But it's basically where the fuck are the aliens? I'm going to go into the general overview of the Fermi Paradox. Why there's a paradox. Why it's very weird that we haven't seen any aliens. Just by, by the math. And then Adam is going to go into what famous scientists have told us about 
Famous thinkers. Famous thinkers have told us uh, that they feel about the Fermi paradox. Right, exactly. Um, Adam, and begins that don't suck. You have six seconds to tell us everything we need to know to enjoy the episode. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, three, two, one, go. If you look up at the stars on a backpacking trip or camping trip, you'll notice that there's a fuck ton of stars. <clears throat> and as discovered in the 90s, many of these stars have planets orbiting around them. You may have asked yourself, is anyone living up on those planets? Well, it turns out mathematically, there really should be other civilizations doing stuff out there. Maybe they're harnessing the power of their own sun or colonizing universes or uploading their consciousness to shared virtual reality simulations. You know, I don't really know what they're doing up there, but mathematically, they should definitely be there. So why haven't we heard anything, Noah? I mean, to say, why haven't we heard even a whisper of their existence? Right. And that brings me to my... How can this be possible? Okay. That's the Fermi paradox. Absolutely. Can I tell you... Can I tell the listener what just happened to me at the beginning of the podcast? You can't yet. I really like that new theme music. Go ahead and tell them. I really like it. Um, just before I tell them, our, the, our theme for this episode is uncanny. Because it's very strange that we haven't heard any signs of aliens. And it's uh, it's, it's bizarre and, and a little frightening. Um, and now I'm going to tell you, completely unrelated, what, what's happened to me for this podcast. For this podcast, I was checking my Microsoft order for my Xbox Series X that I got. And in fact... I never done this before. I tracked it, and when I checked the tracking, it was outside my door a day early. Unbelievable! So right before this podcast, I went and got the a package that has my Xbox Series X in it. And so now, what's great is that when my mom comes home from work, I will be playing That's Xbox right, Series live in our X mom's house inside Noah of her lives living, in a living room. room. I live in the living room apartment. My girlfriend is going to is going to go insane when she comes back from yoga, and I'm playing the Xbox. It's Insane. amazing because we were talking about here, I hope you get your Xbox tomorrow before we go to Boise on our Boise trip, right? Right. But little did you know, it was at the Literally door. Literally five minutes ago, I, I just got an Xbox. Isn't that incredible? So the Fermi the, door. the Fermi paradox is really how many video games can you play in your mom's house before your fiance or mother just kill you during the middle of the day? Yeah. But not at night. Like we're talking about, we're talking about like a 10 o'clock pop into the video games. That's the Fermi paradox. Is, is can you pop into video games at 10 o'clock? What time can you pop into video games I always think about it. What at? time is an okay time to pop into a video game and not feel like a total piece of shit? Is yeah, it, that's it's the like, Fermi paradox. It's usually 5 o'clock, but sometimes you just can't wait. Right. So right now, I'm going to pop into video games out of this podcast. It'll probably be like a 1.30 to 2 o'clock pop. Well, yeah. It, and that's really pushing the Fermi paradox. It is. You might feel like a piece of shit after like a two-hour session. Anyway, okay, we're going to go back to, the, back to the Fermi paradox. What I'm going to do right now, I'm going to go through the math of why it's so weird that we're not seeing ali- any aliens. Okay, so Adam, you follow along with me. Dear listener, you follow along as well. This comes a lot. These facts come from an awesome blog article on Wait But Why, the blog written by Tim Urban. So if you want to check that out, it's a really great breakdown. So when you look up at the stars at night on a clear day, what you're really seeing is a very small local area of stars. It's a crazy small number, but it's far less than 0.001 of the total stars just in the Milky Way galaxy. So you know, you know the sand on the beach quote where it's like there's a grain there's a star for every grain of sand on every beach on earth. So actually, there are 10,000 there are 10,000 stars for every single grain of sand on every single beach on Earth. 10,000 stars. Think about all the beaches on Earth. Is that in the observable universe? Just think about just uh no, just in in the in the in the universe. In this universe. Not the observ in the observable universe? 
In the total universe. Okay. All the universe that we can see since the Big Bang. Yes. In okay. the total universe. 13.8 billion years. Just think about years. all the beaches you've been to. For every single grain of sand, there are 10,000 stars. On every beach. On every beach in the world. That's how massive the universe is. Yeah. Hard to comprehend. Hard to comprehend. Mm-hmm. But what does this have to do with aliens, Adam? Well, there's a lot of stars, so there's going to be a lot of planets, so maybe okay. there'll be a lot of aliens. Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the probability of an Earth-like planet appearing in a solar system. Mm-hmm. Okay? Of those 10,000 stars, I'm sorry, of the 10,000 stars for every grain of sand on every beach in the world, according to the National Academy of Sciences, at least 5% of those stars are very similar to our sun. And the reason why that's important is because our sun is not too small which would mean it's too cold, and it's not too big, which would mean it's too hot to support a planet with water on it like Earth. I understand. Okay, great. So the first first thing we're looking at is similar stars to our own. Again, 5% of all stars in the universe are similar to our own. So again, of those 5% of stars, at least one in five of them has an Earth-like planet orbiting it. Okay. Of those 5% of stars, one in five of them... Right, so look at the... Earth-like planet orbiting. So does Thank that make you. it 1%? So then we're at 1%, right? Very... Yeah, that was really good, actually. Five, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna, I was going to get there. Kind of threw me off my, my zone, but that was, that was good. That that's was what happens if you get to math, too. <laughs> that's fucking math, Is that too. really what happens if you don't fail calculus After you in high do, school? You go to eighth grade, you do your little arithmetic book, you go to math, too. And if you accomplish that, you can do stuff like that. Okay, so basically... There's a lot of planets that are just like Earth orbiting a sun just like ours. And that has a very good chance to have life on it, right? Back to the grains of, grain of sand analogy. Basically, for every grain of sand mm-hmm. on every beach in the world, there are 100 Earth-like planets rotating around a sun just like ours. So uh-huh. think, think about all the beaches you've been to. Yeah, a lot of beaches. Think about all the grains of sand. Every single grain of, grain of sand, there are 100 Earth-like planets rotating around the sun just like ours, to have a very good chance to have life. Basically, there's a shit ton of chances for life to occur. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be conservative again. Let's say that only 1% of, the, of those planets, for one reason or another, formed life. Yeah. We would still have a planet with, with life on it for every single grain of sand on every single beach. So even if basically, even if we're super, super conservative, yeah. the most conservative estimates we can make is that there is a planet with life on it for every grain of sand on every single beach. So every Earth-like planet, sorry, every star. Yeah, yeah, go back. 1% of every star has an Earth-like planet. Yes. Okay. And not only does it have an Earth-like planet, but it is the same size as our sun. Oh, two things. It is The star is the same size as our the sun. Star, it's both. 1% of stars are not only the same size as our sun, they also have a rocky Earth-like planet at the same distance away from it surrounding it. Okay, and there's 10,000 of those stars per grain of sand. Nope. No. Almost. Okay. Okay. But let me, let me run it through. June, good job s- summing it up. So, 1% of stars have are the same size as our sun mm-hmm. and have a rocky Earth-like planet the same distance as ours surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Okay, of those 1%, Let's say, just for one reason, let's be really conservative and say that only one in a hundred of those actually formed life. Okay. Even if we did that, there would still, for every single grain of sand on every single beach, there would be one planet with life on it. Okay, because how many 
how many Earth-like planets are there for a grain of sand? Okay. Wait, where are you? Wait, let's go back. At first, you said that there's 10,000 stars per grain of sand, yes. right, in the universe. Yes. Okay. And then you said that 1% of those 10,000 have Earth-like planets on them. They're also the same size as the sun, yes. Okay. Oh, so of the 10,000, that are the same star size as the sun. So not 10,000. No. 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 Not 10,000. All right. Okay. Listen, okay. Do, do, you want me to, do you want me to do it again? No, no, no. I heard what you said, but ba- those 10,000 stars that are on a grain of sand, right? Not just, every just, one wait, of those. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to simplify it for you. I'm going to make it real simple for yeah. you. Just think about this, okay? That was the math. Listener, I hope you got it. Okay, that was the math, but here's what's important. For every grain of sand on every beach, there is w- there is most definitely one planet with life on it. Okay, and that would make 10 million billion galactic civilizations. Okay. Okay, that's what's important. Okay. Do you so see that? Of the of the the Earth-like planets, right? The stars that have Earth-like planets. Yeah. Right? Why do you think that one out of 100 of those Earth-like planets have life on them? That's like the most, it's just being very, it's being conservative. I mean, we're being hypothetical here, but it's being conservative that only one in a hundred of those would form life okay. because they're the same distance from the sun that they have what that planet most likely has water. It is very similar to earth and earth formed life. Okay. So we're saying only one in a hundred of them form life. 10 million billion galactic civilization. That's it, it should be fucking Star Wars, right? We should be we should be mm-hmm. at the Cantina, yeah. we should be on Tatooine, we should be seeing a ton of galactic civilizations. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we have found nothing. Mm-hmm. Nada. Zip. Zilch. How do you know how many would that how many would that make in our own galaxy? Oh my god, I'm way. so glad you asked that. You're coming back. Okay. Just in the Milky Way, there would be a hundred thousand galactic space organizations. Okay. In our universe, just in our universe, again, there'd be a hundred thousand by conservative estimates space people space people space things yep no sign but there's been no sign even stranger even stranger still okay our star and our earth is actually very young when compared to other stars in the universe so our earth is 4.53 billion years old the universe itself is 13.8 billion years Mm mm-hmm so that means that some planets, they could have formed right at the beginning of the Big Bang, and they could be more than twice the age of Earth. Why is this important? Mm-hmm. Because if some Earth-like planets are more than twice the age of Earth, it means that the civilizations that formed on them, they could be, they could have had billions of years more on us, on us to, to get, form technology. Right. Billions of years. And we know how fast technology is advancing in the last... 25 30 years very right? good so yes. you got to imagine where are are these people like are these things gods at this point are they just they, you know right. are they left their bodies behind right this mortal coil yeah so for for instance a thousand years ago the crusades were they, there were the crusades people were rampaging through i know Europe. a lot about the crusades yeah you do i know a lot of i've been playing a thing called crusader kings where you Fucking can have a, a crusader family so sick yeah Dope. In your mom's house, again, to survive, you play video games. Right. And then you but feel like terrible. It's a deadly because, cycle. Because you, feel like because you wonder yourself. if the video games are keeping you in mom's house because you're not being productive enough. It is. It is. But then you realize but then you if don't you play stop them, the video games, and you'll you go kill crazy. Your spouse. You'll kill you'll yourself kill your spouse and your spouse. And that won't be good, right? Then you won't get anywhere. Right. So, for instance, a thousand year, years ago, the Crusades were rampaging through Europe. They were killing non believers. That was a thousand yeah. years ago. 
okay? There could be civilizations that have done that 1,000-year jump from the year 1,000 to the year 2,000. They've done that 1,000-year jump 8 million times. Yeah. So they've had 8 million, you know, if it's been 2,000 years since BC 0, they've had, you know, 4 million of those leaps since BC 0. So to if they were those civilizations, we'll get into this more, and they were looking at us, they could be looking at, you know, like termites, termites on a log. I mean, like we wouldn't even register as conscious to them. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the answers to the Fermi paradox is. is that we can't even recognize these things. Yeah. Um, this leads to another point about civilization and energy output. Because one thing that is that we think we can measure, it's called the Kardashev scale. It's a, me- it's a measure of the energy output of certain civilizations given the natural laws of the universe and natural law of the universe is entropy, basically that we have to get energy and burn energy to build shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Type one, a type one civilization. There's three different types of civilizations. Type one, the civilization has the ability to use all the energy on its own planet. So that's oil, water, solar, geothermal, harnessing all that energy. Currently we are a 0.7 civilization. According to whose math? That is according to Carl Sagan. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, a type a type two civilization. This civilization, and they're exponential. So type two is like way bigger than type one. Type one, just on our own planet, can we have all the re- can we harness the energy of all the resources? Can we just harness all the energy here on this planet? Mm-hmm. Type two is a civilization that has the ability to harness all the energy of its host star. So currently, just the energy that the sun shines down on Earth, we only harvest one ten thousandth of that. Well, it's actually hard for us to even conceive of what that would even look like. Right. Well, what I'm saying is that it's like we harvest so little of the sun's energy, even just the rays coming down to Earth, we, bar- we, we barely harvest those, one in 10,000th. Right. And to harvest the entire sun, you can imagine how much energy you as a society could produce and the things that you could do. Well, how, how, would people, how do people picture us harnessing the energy of the sun? So pe- in our small human, human brains, we yeah. can't really figure it out. The one thing that scientists think is is a structure called a Dyson sphere. Yeah. And a Dyson sphere is a sphere built around the sun that literally harnesses its energy. It's like a, it's like turning the sun into a massive power plant. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. And also we just can't we also just can't imagine anything else. Can you imagine surrounding the sun in solar panels all the way around it and then somehow running like a cable? Right. You but, can't even but again, picture it. Society is so advanced. Like imagine talking to to Jesus at the year zero and telling him to imagine an iPhone, right? He wouldn't be able to conceive of it. Mm-hmm. So that's 2000 years. And now this could be 8 billion years. Yeah. So that's step two, right? Step one and step two is a big, big difference. It's, it's a huge difference. Um, type three, this civilization literally uses the galaxy galaxies as its power plant. Like it would have the milk, the Andromeda galaxy as its power. How? So it seems impossible. Right. However, if a civilization could make probes, these are called von Neumann probes. They're self-replicating von Neumann probes. It's a self-replicating probe. So let's say that a civilization made a bunch of self-replicating robots that would go. They would go to a planet. They would harvest its resources. Then they would make more probes, and they'd go to the next one. If if you could do this, you could actually colonize the entire galaxy and make the whole thing power plants in three point seven five million years. Which is a blink of an eye when we're talking about about eight billion years. 
I think it's really funny when we try to estimate this stuff that we like have no idea. We have no we, fucking like, idea. Have no fucking all right. Idea about we just we were, we were like oh, three point seven three five million years. To we do have this no. Thing that we, we have no, no idea. We have about. no idea. But I think the one thing I, I I agree with you there. But I just think the one thing we do have an idea about is how many planets might have an Earth like thing around the sun, and that's where that's kind of harder evidence. Yeah, this is speculation. Right. This is this is because we can't conceive our tiny human brains cannot figure out how someone would harness all this energy. This is the best thing we can figure out. Well, like we can't you can't figure out 50 years from now. There'll be things that that would that you would not have figured that you would have been like, what is happening? Yeah. You know, um, I look at Nana, our grandma. Bless. Bless her. Look at a boomer trying to use a computer. Right. Boomers, we love you again. Mm-hmm. Um. And guess what? Mm-hmm. We're saying all this to say, if civilizations were harvesting stars, if they were harvesting all the stars in the galaxy, if they were sending probes around that were that were taking over the galaxies, and some of these civilizations should be much older than us and have this capability, we would definitely see them. We'd hear them. We would talk to them. They'd hear us. We'd see something. And we see absolutely nothing. nothing. And so where is everyone? And that is the Fermi Paradox. Truth is out there. Okay, two of my favorite answer answers to the Fermi paradox. What are the what are answers to the Fermi paradox? Like explanations. Explanation. Scientists think that this is why we're not seeing aliens. Okay. So it's irrefutable evidence that there are a ton of Earth-like planets out there that could form life. Mm-hmm. So now we speculate on why we can't find any civilizations. So yeah, why haven't we heard anything? Why haven't we Where heard the anything? Fuck are they? Number one is the Great Filter. This is probably my favorite. It's the belief that at some point civilizations come up against something that they can't get over and they all die. Funny how this one is your favorite when it's so morbid. I just think it's the most plausible. So, like, very plausible is that climate change is the great filter. Civilizations, they, they, they rapidly produce technology. They, they rail their own planet, and they're not able to stop it, and then they all die. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could literally see that happening, right? Maybe it is happening. I mean, maybe it's, it's a hoax. It is happening. It's probably happening right now. It's happening right now. So, maybe civilizations, they never get over climate change. And they just all it. fucking die. They just kill their own planet. Yeah, they just fucking die. A lot die. of people think that Earth, I mean, it's a prison for us. We can't really get off this planet. No. Also, Earth is located in the Milky Way. Earth is located in the sticks. So there are other places in the Milky Way where there's a lot of stars closer together. More action. More action. We're out in. We're out down in one of the spirals, kind of in, in a remote area. Yeah. We're in central California. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, in, in, we're in Wisconsin. We're, oh, Hey Wisconsin. Hey Wisconsin. Hey Wisconsin. But you know, so like, yeah. Um. Okay. Or the other thing about the gray filter. So that's if the gray filter is ahead of us, right? Mm-hmm. If the gray filter still has to come, we're in Bratislava. The or the gray filter could still be behind. So that's my favorite. Is that the gray filter is ahead of us? We hit something and we all die. Yeah. The other there's other thought that the gray filter maybe is behind us and somehow we have made we it. We have accidentally just. Filtered through and made it. What do people think that, that that we made it past? What are the things that we made it through? I don't know. I think that one of them is the jumping to a cell with a nucleus. Right? Mm. Because that is unexplainable right now. Jumping to How a cell. How did we get from a cell without a nucleus to a cell with a nucleus? And the, and the nucleus is, makes us much more complicated? Yeah. It, it's a huge jump in complication of life. Okay, that's really cool. 
So yeah, that could that's a good example of of a gray filter that could be behind us. Yeah, that we just we just randomly got past for nothing other than luck. Right. Possible. Right. Um. One thing that I, that I read too is that paper. Another explanation is that sometimes I just think that we are in, the universe is in a transitional phase, and before we were around, before life was on the earth, there were gamma rays flying around the universe, and they would have made life impossible until very recently. Oh, okay. So Radiation? it's possible that the universe, something that we can't read or we can't see, it has it has switched. So actually, we're the first. So actually, we were some of the first. Some of the first life. We're some of the earth. first life on, in the universe. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Very, yeah. It's plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, the, my, my other favorite one is the predator civilization. Yeah. So the first, imagine the first civilization to to grow. They they got super advanced. They were the first ones, and they've realized that the only way to stay alive is to make sure that other civilizations don't get advanced. And they just blow them up. Mm-hmm. Um. So even though Carl Sagan, who I mentioned before, the famed astrologist, he believed that a super advanced civilization would be altruistic and nice. Yeah. What he said, and, and quote, the newest children in a strange and uncertain cosmos should listen quietly for a long time, patiently learning about the universe and comparing notes before shouting into an unknown jungle that we do not understand. Right, but even he thought that we shouldn't just send messages out that, into space. Did you we might, that's what that quote said. Right, it said even he thought we should not send messages yes. out into space because there could be, you know, Independence Day-style aliens waiting for I like it. I like thinking about... And other scientists have, have said this, like, it's like you're in the jungle and it's night and you're just shout, you're you like, just, shout. you're shouting out into the night in the jungle and you're like, there could be some creepy predator out here that's just going to come kill you. Yeah. Like you wouldn't do that, right? If you're walking around the jungle. Right. Okay. Stephen Hawking also compared it akin to Native Americans um, shouting to colonists to come and to come colonize the land, which didn't turn out well for Native Americans. No, it didn't. Yeah. Um... I think I also think that maybe we're being maybe we're being what is called the zoo theory, the mm-hmm. zoo theory that aliens are watching us and maybe waiting for us to hit a certain point in technology. That that was in uh, Star Trek too. The prime directive? No, so the prime directive is that you yeah, pretty much. But yeah. Yeah, it's the prime it the prime directive was specifically so that you you couldn't show other aliens that like that you couldn't show primitive aliens that there was this whole right, you, big thing. You can't make contact until they reach a certain you level. You can't of make contact. And I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Maybe maybe there's a bunch of aliens that that somehow put like a veil over Earth that we can't see past, and they're they're watching and seeing if we're able to get past certain things and like work together or be like a good species before they let us in. So it's like a and it's like a national park. Like if Earth was a park yeah. in the universe, you're but not the, allowed to build. But maybe stuff, they they wait before letting aliens into their their league of aliens. Yeah, they make sure that they're that the they're league. that they're mature enough, right? Till they've left their mom's living room. Till they've left their essentially the, the till metaphorical they, once mom's they've living left room. their metaphorical mom's living room, they're invited into the league. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Adam, halftime, honey. Then talk to us about famous people. Okay, I thought you'd have more. Do you have Do you have anything else you want to go over? Besides going over the entire Fermi, Fermi paradox and just the general overview, no, you did a good j- general overview. Wasn't criticizing your overview. Just wondering if you would have you had more you wanted to. Well, I was gonna. On. I was saving it. For, I'm saving it for your section. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, let's do a quick break for halftime, honey. And afterwards, I'll do some stuff. 
No, this is the Halftime Honey Toast where we discuss and celebrate some absurd science in the news that is somehow related to our episode. I find the story and Noah responds with his immediate thoughts. Okay. Noah, what are we drinking today? We are drinking coffee. We're drinking coffee again. We're gonna have to come All up right. with another. Here's name why we're for drinking coffee section. again because it's yeah. it, it's a midweek. It's a mid. It's, it's a, a middle mid-pod of Wednesday. We're going to Boise to see if we should it's move there. Away from our mom's living room. So don't hate two p.m. Okay. on Wednesday. Look, we so, might be living in our mom's living room. That doesn't mean that we can take bong rips in the middle in the middle of the week. Most days. Most days. Most days. Although when it gets to Wednesday, it gets harder and harder to, to resist. As the weekend yeah. looms, it gets harder and harder to resist the bong. Uh, this halftime honey toast that we're drinking coffee for goes out to the Fermi Paradox, the album. By Carolyn Surik and Ron McFarlane. Okay? It sounds like this. That no, doesn't sound like that. <laughs> that is the most Jewish sound like that. song. Jewish it's so song. weird. Let's try it again. It looks like a mandolin and a cello. How whimsical, you might be saying. right that's a fermi paradox album so this goes out to them they made it during the pandemic and as ron said wait who are the two that do this this is are these random people yeah carolyn surik and ron mcfarland musicians okay in england okay they said we made this album because we we're wondering is anyone out there and without a reason to play and without audiences without other musicians why should we even practice at this point they're talking about the pandemic the answer has to be we play it because we can profound I don't get it. Respond with your immediate thoughts. Okay. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I fucking, I kind of hate that explanation. We play oh, it. Sure. I, you play because, you know, it's just like, why can't they just say, it's a pretentious way to say that they, they just like playing music for themselves. Right. You can, I just play guitar for myself. I like, it's, I enjoy it. Right. But I'm not pretentious. Right. So I don't say that I play because I can. It's, it's, it's a pretentious way to say that. But I like the album. It's cool. <laughs> right. Do you think it's, it's so pretentious? I, we play because we can, man. Just because life, live it, live life. You know, they, they just fucking enjoy playing. They can just say that. Do you have any <laughs> thoughts on this? <laughs> Do you have I thoughts on pretentious, <laughs> pretentiously explaining why you play music? You, <laughs> you don't need, you're saying you don't need a reason to play and name your album The Fermi Paradox. You don't have to name your album The Fermi Par- Paradox and make a profound statement like, wait, we can. You can just say like, I just like, you know, it's just fun for me. It's just, just fun for me to play. I just like playing because I like hearing music. Okay. We play because we can. We play because we can. That's like saying we, we pod, you know, just because we can, we pod. We, we pod, pod because we can. We pod because we can. We did can. it because we could. We did it because we could, because, man. Because life. Because life. Because live. Live life. Because live. Because we can because we're live. Hashtag live life. Live. Um, okay. Here's what people are saying. Oh, we got about. the Furry Paradox. My fiance just entered uh, the door. Here she is. Oh, my God. It's an alien. Wow. Back from yoga. Back from yoga. Namaste. Wow. Namaste. The Great Filter. The Great Filter. Namaste. Okay. Conti- okay. What people say about the Fermi Paradox, Noah. Let's start with Stephen Hawking, for one. You yeah. ever heard of him? Yeah, I have heard of him. Yeah, he's the guy in the wheelchair that's really, really smart. He says that we haven't actually been looking at all. And here's some evidence for that, what he's been saying. He says we, haven't seen, we don't see aliens because we haven't been looking. We actually haven't been looking at all with any funding or any gusto. Okay. We haven't been looking. Interesting. Okay, so... The attitude of scientists for this topic of Fermi Paradox of the search for extraterrestrial life 
is different from that of the public, right? It's it's a public fascination. It's one of the great questions of our time. Are we alone out here in the universe? Yeah. People say there's two great questions. Are we alone out here in the universe? And there's another one, but I don't know what the other one is. Is it does God exist or it's what happens after death? That's a, that's what is that is. what people say the other the other question is? Yeah, there's two. I think it's what happens after you die. Anyway, that's really interesting because yeah. one seems like we might one we can never figure out, one we might figure out. Well, how do you know we can't figure that out? What happens after death? Yeah. How? At least one. At least one of them. We have some mathematical. We're getting closer. We yeah. have some mathematical yeah. models. We can yeah. like listen. The other one after death. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how? How is that supposed to work? So, <clears throat> what Paul Lieb, Lieb, a winner of the Nobel Prize, says about this difference between scientists' opinion and public opinion on working on this topic is: the search for extraterrestrial life has never been more than an oddity to the vast majority of scientists. To them, it is a subject worthy of, at best, glancing interest, what? and at worst, outright derision. Talk about pretentiary. Pretentiary. So we're going to talk about this pretentiary. You're going to have a lot of opinions This is good. I'm this, glad right? that okay, you're going to have a lot, the, brought, have a lot of opinions That's about this. That's such bullshit. Okay. I, to zag on the most interesting topic is so stupid. Well, to you, it's the most interesting topic. To scientists, they can see it as something that would ruin their careers. And as we know, we you know, once upon a time, we were interviewing a bunch of scientists because we were you know, want to have people on the podcast. I want to do a little bit of marketing until we realized that until we realized that scientists like until brutal to interview them. Well, the interviews were the best part. The worst part was setting it up, doing the correspondent. That takes a long time. That was awful. Guess what? Scientists aren't good at scheduling. Guess what? Fucking surprise. Communicating with people besides Um, their microscope. One of the things that I learned working with them is that they are actually very hesitant to talk about something that isn't like right in the middle of their, no, they're hesitant to talk about anything or make an opinion about anything. Well, and, That's what's and, the problem with them. And, well, it's not their, totally their fault, right? It's because if they say something wrong, they're going to be lambasted for it. They're going to be criticized. And if they're young scientists, you can ruin your career to say something like that. You can ruin your career. If yeah. you say something like if you say something that's slightly out of your expertise and then someone who is their expertise like comments on it, you can imagine well, how that would be bad. If, if you listen so if you listen to Bill and I interview a scientist, oh it's he rough. Is inc- well he's incredible. Yeah, but he is good. He is incredible at getting them they'll say like he'll be like he'll be like, You're an expert on dogs. What do you think about dogs barking? And they'll, they'll be like, like I don't be really like, I don't know. really know and he'll be like, Okay, so I'm gonna take that to mean this. He'll like get it out of them. He will. If you listen to those interviews, it's good. He's really good at it. He will. But they say, I don't know a lot, which is great. You should always say, I don't know. But of course, they know more than the public does about right. that general topic. But I think part of the problem is that they don't want to say anything besides the thing that they're working on at that moment. Besides okay. the study they've already published that's like they made sure that was correct. Right. Okay. So, shout out to all our scientists out there. I know we love you, support you, and you do Yeah, amazing, we don't do shit. You, 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 guys, you guys do great right? work. So don't we take don't this do wrong shit. Right? I like to, I like, yeah, I like to We're going to keep going. Them. Don't take this the wrong way. Okay? Because you're amazing. No, you there guys are a, fucking amazing. We do absolute, absolute bullshit. There is a German word for this person. And there's also a Japanese word for this person. That's great. I brought it up in the podcast before. Do you remember what it is? I didn't. I didn't remember. Geisha. So you, you geisha. Geisha. Okay, can you go over why you're speaking about this again? I'm speaking about this because I want to tell people that the attitude of scientists to this topic is different than the is public. It's different than the public's attitude. And this is the philosophy. This is the philosophy behind why we haven't been looking. Is because honestly, scientists don't really oh, okay. I like got, it. I got it. They don't like researching it that much until recently. So the German word for a narrowly specialized person accomplished in his own field. But a blithering idiot outside of it, according to Stack Exchange. Programmers. Sorry. Yeah. I, I like. There's also a word for it in Japanese. Okay. 
is fuck idiot. F A C H I idiot. A fuck fuck idiot. Is that you say in German? In German, fuck idiot. Fuck idiot. Fuck idiot. In English, the closest translation is idiot savant. So what's the Japanese word? A fuck idiot. A fuck idiot. It was in Japanese characters. Danny can read it. Well, if you weren't such a, weren't a, Japanese, a fuck idiot, <laughs> maybe you would be able to. Japanese characters. Basically, what it means is someone who, you know, just start, <laughs> just studies zebras all day. You know, maybe they're not too good at budgeting because that's all they do is study fucking zebras. And guess what? We talk to a lot of scientists. It can be the case. They can be fucking idiot. 100%. Okay? So they don't exactly, they aren't exactly, while, while it seems like they're very open-minded people, usually, they're scientists. They cannot be the. They can be very unworld, unworldly. Well, I think that the world that they. I mean, it makes sense. The world they live in, they have to like really prove every single thing they said. Right. So when you ask for an opinion on something, especially they're, a hypothetical, yeah, they're like, oh shit. They're yeah. like, they no. They're like, nah. I don't deal with opinion. And you're just like, well, it's it, you're you're the dog expert of the world. Do you mind giving an opinion? And she's like, like no, no, I'm only the expert on terriers that were. I'm born. the expert on terriers that were born but in you know the more 1980s. About the dogs that have public yellow anyway. hair. Anyway, anyway. So the last point that I already made is that young scientists, and this was echoed by Paul Lieb, Loeb or Lieb? Who cares? I think Lieb is the Jewish version. Loeb is not. Um, he, they, he said that young scientists rarely push boundaries because those who do risk making mistakes, and mistakes do not advance careers. They ruin them. Okay, it makes all sense. So they are – scientists don't really want to study this because of a – because of for their career. So basically, if you do so study SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, if you do study something like this, you have to be an older scientist who just doesn't give a fuck anymore, and you will just shoot your shot. Because young ones will not. They won't shoot. They won't shoot. It makes sense because it will ruin their career because it's so hypothetical. Yep. makes sense to me. Okay? So that is the attitude about the study for extraterrestrial intelligence. Well, that's gr- the attitude's grown out of that. Okay. So how does this reflect in the actual policy that's going on? Yes. Right. So okay. SETI started with Frank Drank in the 1960s. They had no radio telescope until the 80s when Carl Sagan founded the Planetary Society. So from the 80s to the 90s, SETI was highlighted by Congress as a highlight of wasteful spending. Here is a news article quote from 1980. Okay. Proximir, who is a Democratic senator, he says, Proximir suggests that the project, which is SETI, be postponed until the federal budget is balanced and income and social security taxes are reduced to zero or even for a few million light years, whichever comes first. <laughs> okay. So they didn't want to spend any money on it whatsoever because they thought it wasn't going to return any results. And when SETI was asking for $14 million in 1980, right there, 14 million is not that much for the budget. No, no, it's not. You know, I don't, I agree. I think we should, you know, really concern ourselves with worldly concerns, but, but you can spare yeah. A smidgen, right? Right. Well, fast forward till 1992, okay? In 1992, NASA spent $12 million on a project to listen for radio signals from other planets, which is great, which is what we want to do, okay? The next year, Congress cut the funding with one senator joking that we have yet to bag a single little green fellow. So there's a real scientific word for this. It's called the giggle factor. So you could say that the search for extraterrestrial intelligence has a high giggle factor and therefore it doesn't receive funding. Because it seems like a joke. It seems ridiculous. Seems ridiculous. Seems like a joke. It doesn't look good when you're asking for... Yeah. It seems like a science fiction novel. As Jason Wright, also a Nobel Prize winning physicist, he said in the Astronomical Journal, our search completeness, the amount that we have studied, the night sky, is akin to having searched a drinking glass worth of seawater 
for all evidence of fish in all of Earth's oceans. Good. Very good analogy. Okay. So, so Stephen Hawking and that dude, so you just went into kind of why it's, why it's looked down upon yeah. by scientists. Then Stephen Hawking and this other scientist said that we haven't searched shit. We haven't searched shit. Okay. Right? So, we've brought this on the podcast before. Stephen Hawking's project that started in 2016 is called Breakthrough Listen. Yeah, right. It's a $100 million project between Stephen Hawking and a Russian billionaire. I forget his name. And they are specifically looking for radio signatures. Started in 2016. So it's not that long ago, right? Right. So how's that going? So they found, there's one signal that they found, which was interesting. And I don't know what's been happening with it. In 2017, they found a, a signal that was something. Okay. I don't know. So that's been going on. But it's the first time that SETI has been giving, given real resources to do this study. Right, we've talked about this. So we just basically started actually searching. And even though we just started actually searching, we haven't right. searched jack jack. And by shit. the way, like we are not very far in our search and our understanding of the universe at all. Jason Wright was one of the people that worked on the exoplanet, the discovery of the exoplanets. What's an exoplanet, Noah? Uh, a Earth-like planet. It's an Earth-like planet, okay? That was discovered in 1995, not that long ago. So before 1995, we didn't have any evidence that other stars had planets at all. Wow. Think about that. We had no evidence that other pl- other stars had planets around okay, them at all. So in 20 years, basically, we went from not knowing that there was any other solar any other solar system in the universe yeah. to now realizing that not only are there solar systems, there's, a, there's 10 million billion Earth-like planets. Exactly. Okay. okay. Interesting. And okay, so S- Stephen Hawking, again, there's, he says there's other ways to look, too, that we're just starting to do. For about a decade now, We've been looking at biosignatures. So that's looking for something in the atmosphere that signifies life. For example, the amount of methane or carbon dioxide in our atmosphere would indicate that we fucked it up. That there is life on our planet messing with the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And the, you can search for methane and carbon dioxide with the spectrogram imprint. So if you look at planets, you can see if you the light waves going through it will make a certain wave. And then it, therefore you know that that compound is in the atmosphere. And then you know that life is there. Does that make any sense? A little sense. I'm sorry. Could you, could you do it again? Yes. So, you know that different different compounds, different chemical elements make different patterns on a spectrogram. Yes. Because of their different wavelengths that right. they produce. Right? So, we are looking for biosignatures now through planet, for planets. Gotcha. Okay. We're looking to see if there's methane or carbon dioxide in their Respiration. Atmosphere. Sure. Yeah. Respiration. Yeah. Right? Carbon dioxide. Gotcha. And if there is there, then there might actually be life on those planets. So that's a different way to look. It's different than radio waves. Right. right. Another thing that we just started doing in 2019, we just started to do this in 2019, was look for techno signatures. Uh, Jason Wright is one of the people that received the first NASA grant to do this. So we're looking for solar panels because the light reflected from a planet with a giant field of solar panels would have a certain signature. Very cool. Uh, we're also looking for pollutants. Like chlorofluorocarbons, do you know yes. where we use chlorofluorocarbons? Oh, I, I fucking cleaned them up when I was working for chlorofluorocarbons. Oil, gas. We, we use them as refrigerants. And apparently they have a, uh, they have a massive signature and tons, they produce tons of waste as well. Yes. So these would indicate the presence of an industrial civilization. So those are the pollutants. Very cool. Okay, so we basically, we just, we just moved to the 21st century to like... To search, yeah, in our ability to search, exactly, right. 
So we got Techno Signatures, Bio Signatures, and then we have Breakthrough Listen going on right now. So we've really started to ramp up the search. Whereas before, we really weren't searching at all because people didn't want to touch it. That's crazy. Kind of a faux pas. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So we just ramped up searching. So yeah, we, we, we we've barely barely searched. I like the sea. I like the seawater analogy. That's really good. We've drinking a glass of water for all the oceans water. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Um. Elon Musk. Right. Heard of him? Yeah. What did he say about the firm? About the firm? Yeah. So he doesn't know why the firm paradox is happening. He says that it's concerning. He he has made a couple quotes saying that he doesn't really think about it that much because he's concerned with other things because there's no there's no evidence either way so he doesn't want to speculate um <clears throat> what he says about the great filter is if you assume any rate of improvement at all then games will be indistinguishable from reality or civilization will end one of those two things will occur therefore we are most likely in a simulation because we exist whoa 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 whoa, whoa. yeah so he doesn't so he want to takes, comment on the Fermi paradox. Doesn't want to comment on the Fermi paradox, but he does comment on the fact that the Fermi paradox is evidence that we're living, maybe living in a simulation because we can't see anything else out there. Yeah, and he says that it's because games will start to get so good that you can't tell the difference between reality and the improvement of games. Right? Yeah, can't tell the difference between reality and yeah, non-reality. Yeah, exactly. So he, so he's concerned about the Fermi paradox. Yeah. Well, I went through his tweets. He had a tweet in May 2021 that says, "Becoming multiplanetary is one of the greatest filters. Only now, 4.5 billion years after Earth formed, it is now possible." He really is focused on getting to Mars. It seems because he feels like if we're multiplanetary, then we are less likely to be caught in the filter. Maybe that will get us past it. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Um, he's also just like a fucking. You know, you know, he made PayPal, he made Tesla, he made, he's digging a giant hole under Las Vegas, the boring company, SpaceX. He's a crazy dude. Um, I just want to read you a couple other of his tweets because they're, they're funny. Yeah. Because yeah, 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 his yeah. sense of humor is so, how do you describe a sense smart. of humor? It's like, it's for like, it's it, like jokes to himself. It's like, it's like it's very jokes, slapstick. They're very slapstick. They're so slapstick. They're just like little jokes. He thinks it's funny because they're, they're really so simple. Funny. Yeah. Um, on Halloween, a couple days ago, he tweeted, tuition for the new university, he's thinking about making a university in Texas, is in Dogecoin, and you get a discount if you have a dog. Right. Like that kind of shit. He loves okay? that shit. On October 28th, he said, I am thinking of starting a new university, the Texas Institute of Technology and Science. It will have epic merch and be universally, capital U, admired. Right. Yeah. That's a really good example. October twenty fifth. One more. Does he think we're in a simulation? What if your name is Johnson and you just happen to work at Johnson and Johnson? <laughs> Those are the things he says. It's amazing. Do, does he does he uh, believe that we're in a simulation? I don't know. I don't know what he believes. He said it's. He says the Fermi paradox is concerning. That's all he'll say. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't give a lot of public interviews. It's really like what you see about him is that one book, and then you have blog posts about blog posts about the Joe Rogan interview. I, I, right. You know, blog posts you have about like the blog posts about blog, blog posts about the two Joe Rogan interviews he gave. That's it. Oh, There's man. nothing else. I wonder what he actually thinks. Yeah. Um, okay. I, do, do you have Nick ba- Bostrom, Burstrom I don't, on there? I don't have Bostrom I, on Okay. There. So, so Nick Bostrom is one of, the, one of the first guys with the Fermi Paradox. He says that, and you've said this before on the podcast, that if we find life on Mars, it'd be the worst thing. 
It'd be the worst day in humanity. Well, he said if we found complex life on Mars, it would be the worst day. If we found complex life like bacteria, if we found fucking bacteria on Mars, it'd be it would be the worst day for humanity. And the reason is is because if life was that prolific that it could it would just it just it's on two planets even just yeah, in, what are in the our chances? It, even just in our solar system if it's that prolific and we still haven't seen anything then most likely the great filter is ahead of us and we're doomed and we're fucked and we're fucked right but so if we find bacteria on mars we we're fucked if we don't see anything else there's still a chance right if we find bacteria on mars we're fucked basically um Didier Quaylaws a Nobel prize winning physicist in 2019 he was part of the team that discovered the first exoplanet in 1995 he says, I can't believe we are the only living entity in the whole universe. There's just way too many plants and way too many stars. The chemistry that led to life has to happen elsewhere. Okay. One of his teammates, Alan Stern, he is convinced that liquid water under the surface of the ice has life in it, like Saturn's moon, Enceladus. And these civilizations are cut off from communicating because of the giant layer of ice on top of their house. Okay. That's really, what about Titan. Yeah, does that have liquid water too? I don't know. I think yeah, I think Titan he was big in the liquid water. So okay, so Titan Saturn's moon is just, yeah, it's it's a ball of ice. Yeah, it's a ball of ice, and so you think like there's like a there's like a water a yeah. water civilization living under there. Yeah, that's what he thinks. I think one of my favorite things that we didn't talk about is like the the Timmermans metaphor is what if we are in an anthill and there's a superhighway being built next to the anthill. Does the anthill know that the superhighway is being built next to it? No, because it doesn't have the consciousness to experience. Doesn't it, right? like get it. Does do the cars on the superhighway even see the anthill? No, no, they don't. Right. So they, these people, these beings, are on such a different level than us. We can't even comprehend what their civilizations would look like. Right. So that could be happening too. So I like that one. I also like the zookeeper and I really like the, um, I mean, I like the super predator even though it freaks me out. I like the super predator. The super predator makes sense to me. It kind of does, right? It makes a lot of sense. What if there is civilization around there just killing everything? They were the first, they were one of the first ones and they, and maybe like at the beginning they let like a civilization get bigger and then they had a war with them and they're like, well, this is how it turns out. Okay. They, they've lived so long that they've realized the probability of a civilization that grows as, as advanced as them ends up in a war let's save it for open kimono we're gonna do one more break and after that we will talk more okay This is the open kimono where we freely talk and discuss our final thoughts on the topic and leave nothing to the imagination. What is your open kimono? Okay. My open kimono is I'm going to go through my favorites again. My open kimono is that 
The grape filter is one of my favorites. Basically that maybe it's climate change. Civilizations can't get over it and they kill themselves. My other my other favorite one is the predator civilization. That the first civilization, some of the first ones, they get super advanced and they just blow up civilizations that get too too big. Mm-hmm. Um, then I like the I like the zookeeper one that we're just being watched till we get to a certain technology. And then maybe possibly the universe has actually recently shifted in a way that's let us let life occur that hasn't been before. And there's been articles on that and papers published about gamma rays to show that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My open kimono is. I do. I mean, <clears throat> we really don't know. There's so many different scientists that have different opinions on this. It's so divisive. People think it's because of the great filter. People think it's that we just can't, can't comprehend these civilizations. Or we just haven't looked. People think that we haven't looked. Everyone has a different opinion on it, which makes me believe that we have no idea what's happening. So what I, wi- what I wish is that I wish that people were given more money to study things that we don't understand. Like studying consciousness or studying the way mushrooms affect our environments, which we're learning more about, right? I, I see a parallel there where when we were doing the mushroom uh, research, it's very hard for people to get grants for things like, I want to study how this mushroom is affecting these trees with its brain. Right, because they're just like, that's So nonsense. I wish that there was some sort of grant for weird science or something that gave uh, these intrepid researchers money to do this really cool cool research and i'm glad that seti is getting more money now and i'm glad that we have russian billionaires who want to donate to breakthrough listen so we can actually search for this stuff if that's what it takes yeah i i also it's just it's very weird just based on the math to go over the math again there would be a hundred thousand should be a hundred thousand alien alien species it is weird it's weird. You know, it colonize alien plants inside the Milky Way. It's tough. Because so it's strange. It's tough because it breaks the scientific method, right? The, ev- the evidence, non-evidence is not evidence, right? So the evidence that there is nothing out there is not evidence that there is nothing out there. Yeah. Do you I, know what I mean? No, I totally know what you mean. I also read an article that said that our radio signals had, they have gone to at least 59 exoplanets. So our radio signals have traveled to at least 59 Earth-like planets. Yeah. So out of those 59, it's likely that at least one of them had life on it. Maybe the super predator is on its way right now. That I think about that all the time. Like when I, when I was showering this morning, I'm like, I'm like, is this going to be my, am I just going to get blown up? Sometimes when I'm working out, I'm like, is this, is this, oh, we're going to get blown up when I'm in the middle of a set here? Yeah, I just think like like maybe like you might it might just happen and then all humanity's dead in the blink of an eye. There you go. You're all fucking dead. Uh or to to leave it on a hopeful note, you know, there's a chance that we are past the great filter. That it's behind us and we're the first ones. We're the first intelligent life exploring the universe, which is really cool. It's true, but that doesn't make any mathematical sense. No, it does it does. It does. I there guess we could be know. something like for example, our earth, right? It has a very large moon. Which could have something to do. It has something to do with the tides. Which could have something to do with life. Life could be super, super rare. We don't know. We could be the first ones. We don't. We, I don't know why I don't like that one. I just don't like that. I don't. I don't see that. The whole thing with the math, right? It comes from the Drake equation, right? right? And the Drake equation. He did it as a joke, but it just turned into something more serious. People have been trying to rehash that. The Drake equation is the algorithm that shows us how many 
livable planets there are out there. Okay, but it is strange with the amount of livable planets that there's no aliens. There's something going on that we don't understand. We definitely don't understand it. I'll tell you that. That I mean, that's. I hope we did a good job breaking it down about why this is a paradox. Because there should be life, but we haven't heard anything. Right, the Fermi paradox. How long, when can you play video games when you're living at your mom's house? 1 o'clock, exactly. 2 o'clock, 10.30. Um, shout out to Sarah and her boyfriends. What if one of them turns out to be an alien? That would be fine. Honestly, then she'd have a boyfriend, and it's all good. We don't need to know. So just keep it in your, you know, keep it to yourself. You're an alien. <laughs> um, you can find us at dudenaturepod.com. Fuck dudenature.com. Don't go to that site. Yeah, and that's, Dude that's called naturepod. Yep, someone forgot to up the domain name, and so now dudenaturepod.com. On Instagram, we are at dude underscore nature. Yes underscore nature sorry about the mugs if you got a mug and sorry the dishwasher the has has railed it leave us a review on itunes or out podcast it really helps us helps we us love it going. please leave us a review uh just just how long does it take three minutes and 20 seconds of your day makes our week let me tell you it makes my week it's big it's, it's big fucking for us huge. please do it it fucking huge it, it inspires us to get up and get out of mom's house every day <laughs> that's right ladies and gentlemen we love you <laughs>